you know the feeling when like your parents go on a trip uh, and come back. You know, like, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Well, you know, we're a little late, but at least we are running smooth. I don't know what you're talking about, and I've never been late in my life. Good morning, BBs. Good morning. It's too early. It sure is. Welcome to the first, best, and only morning show in existence. I'm Anthony Carboni. And I'm Sage Ryan. And, uh, oh, man, what a lovely... I had a lovely weekend. Did you have a lovely weekend? I did have a lovely weekend. Well, good. Then we all had lovely weekends. Let's not discuss them. That okay. Would be, that would be gross. Don't tell me anything you did this weekend, but did you have a lovely weekend, it would BBs? Be, it would be gauche to discuss what you did over the weekend. This doesn't have anything to do with what I did over the weekend, but I'll still show it off. I went and I saw The Mummy in theaters. Hell yeah. Congratulations, Anthony. I I'm went to the Alamo Draft House and I saw The Mummy, 1999. The only mummy movie that exists. Honestly, such a fair assessment. Name name another mummy movie. Don't you dare. You are allowed you are allowed to say the Scorpion King. But that's it. Yeah, you're allowed to say the Scorpion King. All right. But that's it. Now, uh Seth Brower, no you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Brower, no you didn't. That's that would be weird. Um <laughs> So I went and I saw it at the Alamo. Uh, mm-hmm. I went with uh, with friend of the show and and damsels cast member uh, Rowan yeah. Rowan Hall, and we uh, who is another super mummy fan, super mummy, like a huge mummy fan. When he says super mummy fan, he doesn't mean a huge fan of the mummy. He means baby mummies too, super mummies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rowan is a huge fan of that of the super mummies. Um, so we went to see the mummy. I knew that Rowan was a fan. Huge fan. And like we had discussed it before. Rowan showed up. And you can see this. I think it's still on my stories. Rowan showed up blasting the score to the mummy. Yeah. The Jerry Goldsmith score to the mummy. Mm -hmm. In an Evie cosplay. Yeah. And she was like, let's go see the fucking mummy. Yeah. She's like, get in, loser. She yeah. literally like pulled up in an Eevee costume. It feels like this was your first time really meeting Rowan. <laughs> I, you know, it's it was wild. Uh, but then we went, Super Yaki was there. One of my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite stores online. They are lovely people. They made this shirt. They have a whole Brendan Fraser collection right now that I really love. Very good. And this one says King of 1999. And then on the back, it shows all of his, whoa, all of his wonderful accomplishments from 1999. Uh, and they had a lot of mummy stuff. And I got you these very cool uh, mummy stickers. I love them. That they gave out. Very good. Very good. And I love them. Um, Anthony loves to bring back little presents. I like to bring back little gifts. Listen, you go on a trip, you bring back a little prezi for the family. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's only like if you go off and you have a little trip and everybody's like, he went on a little trip and he had fun. You come back with a little prezi and you go, I was thinking about you while I had fun. <laughs> I will say, it's not how I think about other people's trips. But, like, I'm not like, oh, he's no. having fun. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not like, well, he's having But, you know, you know the feeling when, like, your parents go on a trip. Nope. Uh, and come back. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> 
You lost me on the second half. Sorry, I forgot. Um, you know, <laughs> but maybe some of you, maybe some of you can relate. Uh, your families go off and uh, on a business trip, and they're somewhere, and you're like. I wonder where they are and what they're doing mm-hmm. and what's going on. And like, you know, they're having like a little bit of fun. You're like, oh, I wish I was there having fun with them. Yeah. And so they come back with a little Prezi for you. You're the first, Anthony. Thank you. And as Steam would know, we are a family. <laughs> <laughs> we are. A fa- so, so, listen, Steam says that sometimes a family is two people that share a love for the mummy and also their Steam libraries. So they only have to buy half the games they want. Exactly. Uh, I went to a couple of things this weekend. First of mm. all, I got my Halloween nails. Look how good. Hell yeah. Ignore the eyeliner on my fingers. Sh- shut up about it. <laughs> but they're very good. Uh, I went to Michael's. She loves to go to Michael's. <laughs> the Halloween trip to Michael's is a big deal. They have a lot of they have a lot of good Halloween stuff. I will say some of their stuff pretty cheaply made this year. Occasionally disappointing, but I bought a bunch of shit anyways. Now here's what I'll say. As as uh this is the first year in three years that I am not the person that went to Michael's with you. Would you like to? I mean, I have a feeling I'm going to wind up at Michael's yeah, I'm gonna with go you again. at some point. Yeah. This is already my second trip. But I will say that as somebody who's gone to Michael's with you, mm-hmm. um, look, that stuff is forever cheaply made. Half the time when we go to Michael's mm-hmm. for you to get Halloween stuff, you're like, oh, I love this, but it's broken. It's the only one they have. Oh, I love this, but it's kind of falling apart. I wonder if they'll give me a discount. It is. Oh, I love this, but I'm just like, wow, this shit is really meant to be sat out once and then disintegrate. Some from of it's a mere very busted. Touch. You just gotta you gotta find the gems. You gotta find the gems, or you gotta run around, get inspiration, and make your own. Yeah. You also went to, I guess this was not this weekend, but we both went to uh uh, the Mystic Museum. Yeah. To see their 90s slasher exhibit. That was also fun. Um, yeah. And then I, I saw a, a little a little live music show, Tessa Violet. Ooh. I, I had a great weekend. Tessa Violet, the YouTuber turned uh turned pop TikToker? sensation. Yeah. And like incredible performer. Absolutely. Yeah. And I spent the afternoon evening swimming with Kaylee because it's been so hot. It reached 110 degrees. In Los Angeles yesterday, uh, which is hell. Uh, so at 8 p.m., the water was still s- not heated. The water was still so warm from the day that it was a heated pool. I took the boy out, our producer Dagger, who's back on the couch. You can't see him. Mm-hmm. He's not doing his job. Um, but he is also a perfect producer. Of course. So reconcile that in your minds. Um, I took him out. And mm-hmm. he does not understand that it's hot until about five minutes into walking around outside mm-hmm. when he will just look up at me and be like, I'm die? <laughs> Same. I'm die now, right? Same. You you pick me up. I'm die now. Yeah. Uh, he just has no idea. Walks in 110 degree weather have the same effect on me. Yeah. Someone's going to have to carry me home. Somebody, please, country roads. Anyways, uh, this is a news show. Is it? Vaguely. Spend the first 20 minutes just talking about our weekend a lot of the time. But welcome in. It's very good to see you all. It's a bank holiday. Oh, somebody tell the bank. (laughs) Run and tell the bank. Hey, did you you get your bank a present? It's a bank holiday. 
Mm-hmm. Did you get the bank a present? The bank is so good to you. All they do is hold on to your money and take it. That's all they that's all they've ever done is nice things for you. All they've ever done is hold your money and take it. They charge you to take your money. You know what? Because of that, yeah. I'm gonna open with some business news I didn't put in the spreadsheet. Whoa. I saw a Twitter thread this weekend and I'm gonna go find it. It's About not in the spreadsheet. Starbucks. What spreadsheet? Um did you see the thread going around about Starbucks that was trending this week? No. What what evil are they up to now? So there's no new evil. No. Mar- hey, read my lips. No new evil. They didn't do any new evil. However, they have become essentially one of the largest banks in the U.S., uh, so this, and I cannot uh, particularly vouch for this source. I don't know this person. Uh, their name is Alex Johnson. They go by Alex H. Johnson on Twitter. Again, don't know this person. But if you copy that into something that doesn't exist, I'll pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could do that. So this is about the nightmare that is Starbucks. So the that is Starbucks. Uh, It's a very long thread, and I mean a very long thread, but that goes into the detail uh, about the way that Starbucks, through uh, originally gift cards and now through their mobile app, has become a bank and benefits in the way the bank has and holds as much money as many banks. Uh, And that is because Uh, essentially what they have been doing is if you have the Starbucks mobile app, uh, you might be a Starbucks like rewards member. Personally, I am. Uh, They don't let you just go in and pay money, at least not if you want your points. You have to reload what is a Starbucks gift card on their app. So every time that I open up my app to go and order us some little brekkie sandwiches after the show, I'm going to put $10, $20 onto um, my card. And I'm probably not going to use it all at once. And even if I do, the thing is, it it doesn't particularly matter. They took my money and then they're giving me a thing that they already own. Right. So it's not like, oh, and then they have to pay it back to me. Um, No, and a lot of, I mean- they just hold on to that money. And a lot of companies do this, right? Like a lot of companies thrive off of like gift cards and charging you if you don't use your gift card within a year. Like, this is but pretty common. no one more than Starbucks. Hey, congratulations, the Starbucks. the rewards program gives you, like, two stars for every dollar that you spend instead of one in the regular rewards if you use a gift card. Uh, zero, of course, if you don't use either. Um, however. However. Those points have pretty good rewards as far as rewards programs go. Yeah. I want a free sandwich. I don't make a lot of money. So, like, yeah, I want my little free sandwich. And you hold on to my money, and every few weeks I get a free little sandwich. And While that's you're nice. making interest off of my money. While you are making interest off of the money that I give to you, which uh, is billions of dollars. Not for me. I don't have billions of dollars. No, but if but you think about it. from people overall. A lot of people that I know, mm-hmm. if they go to Starbucks before work or if they go to Starbucks a couple times a week, uh-huh. they keep about 15 bucks on a star on a Starbucks card. Uh, a lot of them have it set to like auto load their Starbucks card, right? So they get those stars, they get those points. And what that means is you're essentially putting more into Starbucks savings every month than you're putting into your own. 
Which, hey, I also want to say, Same we are not judging you for. No. Listen. But We're not going to be out here like, just don't get an avocado and you could buy a house. No, like, but listen. Get your Starbucks if it makes you happy. Don't get the avocado and you will have a house. <laughs> it's like, isn't the house worth more than an avocado? What are you people not getting? So... Each time you load your rewards card, Starbucks holds onto that money until you're ready to spend it. Multiply this by 25 million active rewards members, and you have a company that reported $1.6 billion in deposits last year. For reference, Discover is the fourth largest credit card provider in the country and only holds $470 million in deposits. So there's a, there's a Starbuckies, and there's Bank Corp, which is Bank of America, uh -huh. basically. Uh, American Express, SunTrust, SVB Financial, and PayPal. They are now one of the largest banks in the world without ever having to have been a bank. They are now a credit card provider, y'all. They're a fucking credit card provider. That's pretty That's wild. wild to think about. And, you know, as long as they don't... As long as they are always able to redeem your card when mm -hmm. you need to, they're fine. And they're kind of running it the way like a lot of these, um, well, they're running it the way a lot of these crypto companies actually run. These crypto, these these places where you can like save your crypto mm -hmm. because it's not protected. It's not any kind of security or anything. Starbucks is just holding this money and they're, they're, they're having a little fun with some of it. They're using it as play money. They're getting advances. Yeah, it's a little bit of a slush fund. So you think about like, a Even little a bit being billion. Million, yeah, like something like $10 billion. Um, so when you think about like even a company as big as Starbucks, if they borrow from the bank, mm -hmm. they're borrowing at like 2 to 4%, which is way better than you and I will ever borrow from the bank. Correct. But when you're borrowing the amount of money that these big businesses borrow, that's a lot of money. Uh, so they now don't imagine, have to do that. Imagine just having an extra 10 bill just like sitting around where you're like, this is just our fun money that we play with. So they don't have to take out any kind of loans to build new locations, to finance new projects. They can just use the money you have sitting on your Starbucks card. And they also, in this thread, go into a conversation about how uh, the percentage of people that will never use the money that they load up. Mm -hmm. You load it up in amounts that are inconsistent to the amount that you spend. It's like, I mean, those washing machines in apartment buildings yeah. that have those like reloadable cards of the same way. For some reason, my they last, don't allow you to load it up. My last place had one of those. And they don't allow you to load it up with the amount that a wash is. No. A lot of the time, they load it up in an even number and it costs you an uneven yeah. number. And then they're just Hold so it you have on. to if, keep reloading. If they're holding on to 50, 75 cents from everybody in the building, that adds up. So, like, yeah, when you when you reload your card in the Starbucks app, you can't reload it for 574. And they they don't just make it so like if you go to go to buy something with your Starbucks card and you don't have the money in it, it mm -hmm. won't just automatically pull it and cover it from your bank account that you have connected mm -hmm. because they don't want that. They, they want, want you to, to put it. 10. When you go into the app, it's like, do you want to put in 10, 15, or $25. Yep. It's like none. None. Good old Microsoft Xbox Live points. Sure. All yeah. that stuff like that. Nintendo. It, it benefits these companies above and beyond the uh, the interest that they earn. It benefits them to for you to always have just a little bit of a balance. Because mm -hmm. then you're just like, shit, if I don't top up this balance and pay with this balance, I'm throwing money away. Yep. So I might as well put more money on, and then you still have an uneven balance. 
for uh for how much money was not is not being spent on these in 2019 alone it was 141 million dollars in the couch cushions just lost not being spent and it's interesting because they set this up so early on like a lot of people are doing this in various digital point systems but before we were doing apps and before so much of it was based on like the technology they really set up a culture of gift cards that I had never seen people participate like that before. It a was an unprecedented ago, amount of gift card usage. A million years ago when I worked for Starbucks, that was what it was like. It was mm-hmm. like not connected. You had to reload it in the store. Yeah. And they didn't really give you anything except like managers were empowered to like if you came in a lot and you paid with a card, mm-hmm. we'd like throw you something free every once in a while. Or just be like, oh, thanks for refilling your card or give you like a little bit of a discount for using a card. And we were like empowered to do that because it was just like, hey, you're pretty cool. You've got a cool little club card with us. Yeah. Um, That was also also said uh, for digital pre-orders and video games, which we talk about all the time. Yep. Um, Of course, back when I was working at Starbucks, they uh, also treated their employees pretty well. And I had health insurance and a 401k and and all this stuff if I wanted to. And they have since yanked all that stuff. Which is so wild. And they're anti-union now. When I was like a teenager and people were starting to get their jobs, like that was the spot, man. Oh. It was uh, was In-N-Out and Starbucks. When I moved from Florida to New York, Mm -hmm. I transferred with Starbucks because I was like, look, no matter what happens... I'll have a job somewhere and I'll still have health insurance and I'll still have my savings and my stock. I won't be making a lot of cash, yeah. but we'll at least be safe in terms of that, you know? And then I was like, and, and then if my partner finds uh, a job that pays more in cash, mm-hmm. even though, you know, we'll still have, because Starbucks also used to allow you to have a domestic partner on your insurance. Wow. So even though we weren't married because we lived together, they were like, yeah, cool. That's your dependent. Starbucks has changed quite a lot. Fucking wild, yeah. Um, that was the thing. It used to be like, oh, you get, you know, we can get a Starbucks job. Like that'll at least. It was always the good health insurance. Oh man, it was good health insurance too. Starbucks had better health insurance for me than Discovery did. <laughs> uh, anyway, Starbucks. This is a show about video games. Uh, sometimes it, it's I, a business, honestly, sh- but it is a business show. It is a business show, but we talk about things like tech. Oh, yeah, of we course. talk about business. We talk about business. We talk about Twitter. Do you want to know about some more? Do you want to know about some more business? We can get some some business out of the way. I'll get. I'll t- We'll transition from business to games, business, and then to games. <gasps> Whoa! How about that? Here's what's up. We know that Microsoft done bought the Activision Blizzard. Yes, they got it in uh, in quite the fire sale because Activision Blizzard is a terrible place. Still too much. Uh, they still bought, they still paid too much. But here's the thing: when they bought that, mm-hmm. they got Call of Duty, and we were all like, "What happens now?" And initially, they were like, "Oh, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change." Um, well, something is changing, and. Not right now, but they're laying the groundwork. Uh, Unky Phil just said that Microsoft will get, will keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for several more years mm-hmm. beyond the existing contract. Right. Several more years. Um, I don't know how long the existing Sony contract 
remains because uh, uh-huh. he did reference specifically that there is a contract where they like literally have to. Uh, and they're just saying that they will exceed that beyond that. Yeah. So what is several more years beyond the end of this contract? We don't know. So Bloomberg reported that uh, the PlayStation contract is at least another two years. Uh, it could be more than that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Microsoft did publicly commit earlier this year to keeping Call of Duty available on PlayStation beyond the existing agreement and into the future. Now, what is the future, really? What does that mean? Um, You know, Phil basically said, in January, we provided a signed agreement to Sony to guarantee Call of Duty on PlayStation with feature and content parity for at least several more years beyond the current Sony contract. And that's an offer that goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements said, you know, and that's 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 what he said. He was like, well beyond. That's we're we're being so magnanimous because an Xbox made an official like an official uh, tweet that I don't think is is linked in this article that was like, oh, Sony is such an important part of this business. And they're such you know, we all we're all in this together for entertainment and for and for everybody. So, of course, we want them to have Call of Duty. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you wanted them to have it, you wouldn't have bought it. No, you don't. Here's the problem. From a um, games business perspective, Mm -hmm. I care, right? I care about Monopoly. Yes. I care about somebody, uh, you know, whatever it is that Microsoft is doing. Which platform do you think has the best version of Monopoly? (laughs) I think it's Switch. Honestly, Mobile app Monopoly. Mobile app Monopoly is not bad. Great for the backseat of a car ride. It's amazing. But no, we this is what this is what we've been talking. You're talking about what we've been talking about all the time. Consolidation right. is bad. Consolidation is bad. However, I don't care about Call of Duty no. or people getting their hands on it. In fact, I want people not to. And I want yes, military simulators to disappear into the sea. Exactly. And yes, Anthony's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, here's the thing. I, I, you know, I like to think of myself as a beautiful girl, but it's nice to hear it every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is still, whether we like it or not, one of the biggest franchises in games. Has Fortnite come along over the last few years and and some other and some other kind of squad based online games and kind of eaten their lunch a little bit? Sure, a little bit, but not a lot. Not a lot. Wish it was a lot. These are multi billion dollar yearly releases. Mm -hmm. Um, Warzone is sometimes one of the most broken things in the world for weeks at a time, and it still makes more money than most things. So, look, when Microsoft says we're committed to keeping this on Sony on the Sony platform, yeah, they are, as sure. long as it makes business sense. Sony, what are you going to give me? Yeah. What does this mean? Does this mean that Sony has to uh, pay a certain amount? Mm-hmm. Does this mean that Sony has to... You know, they say it's going to have feature and content parity, but they don't say when. They don't mm-hmm. say that that stuff won't be timed, right? Right. They don't say that it's not like, because the entire industry for Call of Duty for the last 10 years has been based on who gets the exclusive, the DLCs first, who gets the map packs first, yeah, who gets uh, all of this stuff on a timed exclusive. And that's going to be Microsoft from here on out. And even though they may keep it on Sony for the next, on the PlayStation platform for the next couple of years, they're going to make sure that Call of Duty is so free for Game Pass subscribers. Ugh, so fucking free. 
including like Game Pass games don't normally include DLC and map packs and stuff like that. You usually have to like buy the game and get that separate. That's not going to be the case for Call of Duty. I'm calling it right now. Anything that you have to pay for on PlayStation will be free on Game Pass. Will be free on Game Pass as long as you have the $15.99 Game Pass. And this is how they consolidate and this is how they make sure that there's no competition in the industry. Yeah. It's a bad thing. Consolidation is terrible. But also, don't play Call of Duty. Yeah, but don't play, yeah, so are war simulators that glorify <laughs> fucking the military. And so is Activision. And so is Activision, which treats its people like garbage. So Specifically, it's marginalized people. So what if we just didn't? Hey, everyone. What if we just didn't? What if we just didn't? I don't want to go straight uh, into that. Great. Um, I'm glad. Uh, what I do want to go into is, you know, while everybody's arguing over video games... Mm-hmm. Konami. Konami is really blazing trails mm-hmm. and saying, what if no video games? What if we just didn't even make any? Konami is like, what if, and this is crazy, what if we just stopped? Yeah. They're like, no, 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 we're not acquiring. Everybody's going out and acquiring. Mm-mm. God, Konami wishes somebody would acquire their gaming properties. <laughs> Konami is just like, please, we somebody, don't need these. one person make an offer. <laughs> the problem is every time somebody goes to Castlevania.com to buy it from Konami, it's not there. It redirects, it redirects. to a random person's website. Um, here's, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, Konami, could maybe we buy your games? Not like a copy of your games. Could we buy the IP to your games? It seems like you don't want them. Yeah, uh, look. Netflix. I'll have to admit that Netflix is going to have Castlevania. You'll you'll probably sell if you sell off if Konami starts selling off its IP, they will license the Castlevania IP to Netflix Gaming immediately. Okay, okay. But dibs on Silent Hill. You can have Silent Hill. Could I have a bomb a bomb Berman? <laughs> of course you can. Could I have bomb Berman? No one else wants. Could I have Rocket Knight? Yeah. You could have all of those. Thank you. For the price of one Silent Hill. I love it. Um, Could I have the mystical ninja? Sure. Um, No, but Konami is still somehow making games. Somehow. Every once in a while. Are they? Well, what they're doing is they're, they're releasing... They're releasing collector's editions. They're ah. releasing uh, uh, remakes and upscales and all this stuff. Um, look, and there's been a rumor for a long time that something big is coming. Is it a new Silent Hill? No. no. <laughs> for the love of God, no. Why would they do that? A new game? Ugh. In this economy? Blech. When there are washing machines and pachinko to be made? Never. Never. But they do. there has been a big rumor that Bloober Team... The developers of the medium have been working on Silent Hill 2 Remake. I find the name of this studio so tough. I don't like saying the Bloober Team because <laughs> it's not the Bloober Team. It's just Bloober Team. And the problem is phonetically, if you're saying it in a sentence, you really need the the as the jumping off point. So when it's like, hey, I heard that a new game is being made by Bloober Team. Like, it feels weird. But uh. if you say... I heard a new game is being made by the Bloober team. It's easier to say. It's better, but it's still pretty rough for me. I mean, it's not easy for you to hear. Yeah. Because we all know that that Sage has some Sage has some auditory issues with certain combinations of sounds. I do, and that one has has moved to the forefront. Um, 
So the team that will no longer be named as we were talking about <laughs> this is working on a Silent Hill 2 uh, big budget remake. Uh, supposedly. Now, supposedly. <laughs> reportedly. Reportedly and supposedly. And oh my God, I have to accept cookies to allow this. Sucks, man. That's so fucking rude. That's so fucking rude. Okay. Um, anyway, it looks like there have been leaks on Twitter. Reportedly? Mm-hmm. Supposedly? Mm-hmm. God, I just replayed Silent Hill on my Retroid. Yeah, it's great. The original Silent Hill is so fucking good. Um, these are supposedly leaked screenshots. And you know that they're leaked <laughs> screenshots because they're blurry. <laughs> Because they're blurry and they're taken off a screen and they're blurry and they, whoever took them just did not have time to tap to focus. Of course they didn't. And they, they don't had to have take a, it and run. And they don't have a modern phone that focus that auto focuses. No, no, certainly not. Um, can we enhance? Let's enhance. <gasps> Zoom enhance. Uh, yeah, that looks like Silent Hill Two. That does look like Silent Hill Two. Does it look like a new version of Silent Hill Two? Yes. Uh, everybody's asking in chat: Am I doing another AI image generator goof? Uh, and the answer is no. These Those were supposedly actual screenshots. Um, they're part of an internal pitch, apparently. Now, this stuff all uh, apparently got leaked on Reset Era. Um, and these are supposed to be from before the project was approved. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Reset Era has a community that does like to dig things up. But Reset Era also has a community that likes to just kind of like fake stuff, uh-huh. which is fun. Um <laughs> I don't know, man. Primarily online gaming communities like this are just too intense. The The responses to this are so much and so bad. They're just like, exactly what I would expect from Bloober fucking trash. Yeah. I Cartoony mean, garbage. I'm just like, what are you telling from this blurry screenshot? Here's the thing. You can, you can try to judge the team on the medium, uh-huh. which was their first big game. Yeah. But here's the thing. There is a history in all media of things like this happening. You have a team or a filmmaker Mm -hmm. or a musician or an artist that makes something very good, better than you would think. Right. With less money and less time than you would expect. Yeah. Which is what Bluebird Team did with the medium. Yeah. So whether or not you love the medium, you have to look at it and go, what was the vibe what did they pull off in terms of technology? What did they do? And is it interesting enough? And does it fall within the wheelhouse of Silent Hill? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We think about you think about a uh, uh, friend of the show, Dan Trachtenberg, who just recently directed Prey. Mm-hmm. Before Prey, he did Ten Cloverfield Lane, and before Ten Cloverfield Lane, he did a Portal fan film. <laughs> That's what he did. He did a Portal fan film, and J.J. Abrams saw it and was like. This guy can do a lot with a little. Let's hire him. That's wild. And that stuff happens all the time. To men. <laughs> I said what I said. Um, so predominantly, yeah, predominantly. So Hollywood has like a, Hollywood already has like a, uh, a system of doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Gareth Edwards does Monster and they look at it and they go, do a Godzilla for us, you know? Yeah. That kind of stuff happens where it's like, and indie teams get asked to make big budget remakes and things like that all the time in games. So it's not about whether, and that's the thing that I 
I do really dislike about these reactionary sort of fan communities. Uh-huh. And not even reactionary, because I think Reset Era, in terms of like gaming fan communities, is one of the better ones. The bar's low. The bar's, I mean, look, these so are the- So intense. <laughs> Too intense for me. They're very intense. And that's the thing, is they're, they're being very intense about this, and they're like, but I hated the medium, and the medium sucks, and all of this is terrible. And it's like, no, 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 look at it. And try to see if you can see what Konami saw in it. Mm-hmm. And I can. Yeah. And I, I, and here's the thing. The blueprint is already there. The blooper print is there. Silent Hill 2 already exists. All they need to do is expand on it. And it makes sense that Konami would want to do this after what uh, Capcom's been able to do with Resident Evil remakes. Yeah. Those Resident Evil remakes are fucking unbelievable. And I would love a Silent Hill remake. I want this to be real so fucking badly. I I want I want this. Yeah, me too. A lot of remakes, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I need it, you know? Well, because in our minds, number one, big mm-hmm. budget remake is great because it's something that you love that you're already familiar with, but more beautiful and new and with maybe some twists. Yeah. It's an excuse to play it again for it's, me, honestly. Yeah. Like... I was not a huge Resident Evil fan when the original games came out. I was very, I was one of those people that was very, very critical of early 3D. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I hate that up is always forward. Everything's slow. I can't, I don't know how to aim. This is just a bad game. Yeah. The fear is that they did not give you the control system to fight the things that they put in the game. That's where the horror comes from. Yeah. But then the Silent Hill remake, or I'm sorry, the uh, Resident Evil remake of one was so good. Yeah. So good. Um, and we've already had remakes of them and those were good too. Right. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for a new Silent Hill. That's an old Silent Hill. Two is also just fucking, it's a banger. Ugh, it's that's a, a fucking, fucking banger. That's a fucking summer anthem of a game. You know what I mean? <laughs> summer anthem of a game. That's a fucking summer club anthem of a game. Uh, Konami is also working on apparently some other stuff. There might be more than one game in the works at Konami. No, they're just going to make vinyl stickers for a washing machine. Yeah, probably. They're probably, well, so here's what's up. Konami, and don't get too excited. (laughs) We've all been here. We've seen this before. Konami just renewed its trademark for uh, Suikoden. Now, I love Suikoden. I've never played it. Great, great couple of games. That would be great. If you want to play like a JRPG on your Retroid, Mm -hmm. the Suikoden games would be a great one to play. Okay. They're fun. Um... They just renewed the trademark ahead of Tokyo Game Show. Um, now, trademark renewals don't mean that something's in the works. You simply must renew your trademark in order to keep it. Yep. And Konami, if they ever want to make a Suikoden bath towel or a Suikoden fucking, obviously it's going to be a pachinko machine. Anthony, they can renew their trademarks on games they're not making, but they can't renew their fucking website. Yeah, you just need the trademark. You don't need the website. <laughs> you can always sue later on to get the website back. <laughs> um, so like they, someone <laughs> should go on trademark watch as people have for websites. Like someone should go on trademark mark watch specifically for Konami because I just I believe they're gonna forget some important ones, dude. And I think I, we could swoop them up. I bet Sparkster the Rocket Knight is up for renewal. And I could own Sparkster the Rocket Knight. The last Rocket Knight game, I think, was for XBLA in, like, 2010. That trademark's coming up in the what next few it? years. Uh, Rocket Knight. Rocket Knight is so good. Uh, anyway, 
Renewals of trademarks don't necessarily mean a new game is coming. Canceled? <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. That's the word. Yeah, 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 that's the word mark. That's not the trademark for Rocket Knight completely. But Rocket Knight Adventures, Konami has canceled the trademark on. Yeah, it looks like since 2001. <laughs> Holy shit. But they still own Rocket Knight. They have to. I can't go down this rabbit hole with you right now. <laughs> We're talking about the Suikoden. So Suikoden uh, trademark has been renewed ahead of uh, TGS. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but TGS, Konami has said their show will be hosted by Yuji Kaji, mm-hmm. who was one of the voice actors in Suikoden. Now, and they said... Voice actor Yuji Kaji will be invited as a guest to represent the fans of a series which is loved all over the world on the announcement stage for a new Konami title. But when you say a new Konami title, doesn't that sound like a new Konami title? But representing a series, a new title, and representing a series that is A new title in the series. Yeah. Which would be very interesting because that would mean it's not a remake. Well, shocking. It could be a remake because they could count. You could count a remake as a new title. I bet Konami does. I bet Konami does, but you shouldn't. It could also listen. Suikoden is known for having like a lot. You you have like a lot of playable characters within Suikoden. They love a mobile gotcha. A Suikoden mobile game where you're like pulling the Suikoden characters. That's money. We'll see. That's a money maker. Do you think that they would get booed at Tokyo Game Show for that? No. People, because here's the thing, people don't, like people the, don't expect much from Konami. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know, it's been a few years since, uh, since Metal Gear Survive. We've all, we've all lowered our expectations that quite a bit. That voice actor is bringing out the new bath towel. That's all it is. He's like, we have this new Suikoden anniversary merchandise. And it's all just stickers on shit that they got from AliExpress. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. There hasn't been a new Suikoden game since uh, 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's entered that uh, it's entered that good nostalgia window. Mm. Yeah, where like they could sell something real easy to people mm-hmm. who have been waiting a long time to re-experience a Suikoden. Yeah, you know, who knows? Uh, hey, speaking of gotcha mobile games, yes. Have you played Mario Kart Tour? Not in a million years. I think I downloaded it when it first released, and I was like, oh, shit, Mario Kart on mobile. Oh, shit. Yeah. Mario Kart on mobile. I tried it for about a week. Yeah. Because you know that my my ADHD Mm -hmm. will make me play any gotcha game that I download for at least a week. Yes. uh, Because my brain is wired to gamble. Yes. So I tried playing it, and... Even my brain, with its bad brokenness, there was something so gross about that much gotcha and that many micropayments in a Nintendo title that my brain went, ew. Plus, the racing wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't. Plus, the core racing wasn't good. Well, uh, they did announce that. They did announce. They did announce. The Dibbin announce. They Bibbin and Abbin announce. They're doing an update for Mario Kart Tour. 
And uh, it does seem like good news. Uh, Battle mode will be added. Spotlight shop where you can exchange your rubies for drivers. We know that those are the currency, carts Mm. and gliders. But also pipes that you can fire by using rubies will be removed, which is good. So the pipes that you fire by using rubies are the gotcha. It's a slot machine. You put rubies into a pipe. The pipe shoots out uh, carts and drivers and items. Mm -hmm. That's the gotcha. And... um, by removing that and saying that they're just doing an in-game store. That's better. That's better. Because what that says to me is they're going to put all of the current things that you can get out on a store. And it won't be everything, right? Yeah. I'm sure they'll curate different. And it'll be like, hey, this week there's a special on dry bones. Sure. Um, and then next week we're we're doing all the metal Mario characters, you know? Yep. And I find that to be fine. Yeah, as it's long a as free I to play mobile game, exactly. It doesn't have the gambling element to it. Uh, it doesn't entice, especially like young players, to be like, "But I got to try again." Uh, you can spend the correct amount of money for the thing you're going to get instead of spending four times as much on the gamble. Ooh, and the dude, the rates, the drop rates on their gotcha were wildly bad. Were they bad. super bad? They were wildly bad, and it would be like. And the way their the way their uh, current tours work, because like every week is a tour, which is like a different set of of, uh, of tracks, uh-huh. and like one character is really good and buffed for those for that set of tracks. Yeah, and so you're also racing to unlock that character, and the drop rate for that character would be like point one six percent or point zero one six percent, and anybody who had that character was just like, you'd watch them go up the world rankings and you'd be like, this is fucking, it's rigged. This is yeah, just rigged. Uh, but it's so transparently rigged, I don't even feel like I'm playing a game anymore. Yeah. Uh, I will say the interesting thing that I saw about that uh, announcement is actually multiplayer real-time battle mode. Yeah. Now, the racing, you do race against other people, but the racing is very limited, kind of, and, like, it's kind of, the training wheels are on for mm-hmm. the racing in, in World Tour. But the classic battle mode, multiplayer, real-time, now that's something. That's something. I like that. I like the idea that you could just, like, jump on your phone anywhere in the world and play a balloon battle in Mario Kart. Yeah. I wonder if these changes are going to be enough to get people back into it. I think Nintendo is really... They're not, like, calling it on mobile because, God, that Fire Emblem gotcha game was printing money for so long. yeah. But I think they're definitely pulling back on it, and I think they're definitely... I expect Nintendo in the future to really take whatever studio they partner with to make these games Mm -hmm. and start putting their names more forward. Yeah. So you associate these mobile gotcha games more with the internal developer than you do with Nintendo as a whole Mm -hmm. because I don't think the mobile thing has done wonders. It's maybe like the one, I wouldn't say black eye because Nintendo doesn't have any black eyes right now, Mm -hmm. but it's one of the things that people are not into Nintendo for right now. And they know that sentiment is not good. Sentiment is not good around the Nintendo mobile stuff. Super Mario run was okay. You remember that? I didn't play it. It was fine. It was like an endless runner with Mario and you hit the button, he jumps. You know, I feel like once you've played an Endless Runner, you've played all the Endless Runners. They did a really good Endless Runner. Really? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think I stopped 10 years ago at Subway Surfer. Sure. <laughs> Subway Surfer. Pour one out. 
pour one out for it's I think it's still happening actually. Pour one pour one ninety nine into the app store for I Subway Surfers. I think Surfer. kids are still playing Subway Surfers. Oh, I bet they are. It's a great game. It it's a great game, actually. It is a great game. And like listen, this is a science fact. New kids are born every day. <laughs> you may not believe it's hard to believe. New children are born every day and they've never played Subway Surfer. Think about it. Every day is a new opportunity for a baby to play Subway Surfer. Every day. Listen, from your mouth to God's ears. All I want, all I want for society is for every day, a new, a beautiful newborn baby, pure of heart and innocent of spirit to be born into this beautiful world and to play Subway Surfer. Now, how do we feel about the babies playing um, uh, Temple Run? I like Temple Run. I also had a great time with Temple Run. Temple Run was wonderful. And they started adding all of the different characters that made sense for Temple Run and all the different, like, skins for it. Yeah. Didn't they eventually have a Lara Croft in Temple Run? I feel like they might have done a collab. They might have done it. But again, that IP they are not precious with. No. The the IP that you know people can get. Lara Croft. Yeah. Sonic. Yeah. Snoop Dogg. Do you know what my favorite Tomb Raider game might have been? What is it, Anthony? It might have been that mobile. It might have actually been that one really good mobile one they made mm-hmm. that was like a puzzle that kind of reminded me of Monument Valley. Yeah. Where it was like you had to get Lara Croft through the different little dungeons. Yeah. That was such a good game. Remember, it was so good on mobile that they brought it out on console afterwards. Yeah. That game was fire. Did anybody remember that game? Hey, anybody remember that? If you do, put incorrect titles for it. Put incorrect titles for the mobile Lara Croft game. Does anyone remember also the Cowabunga collection? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection? I do. It came I out. Keep hitting the mic today. Didn't it just it just came out this week, right? Or last week? It's all it's all the good Ninja Turtle games. Uh it's got your arcade collection. It's got your Turtle in Time. It's got uh your um. Oh, it's got tournament fighters in it. Mm. It's got tournament fighters, and it's got one of the weird. It's got okay, the Cowabunga collection has mm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three for the Game Boy, which is a Metroidvania, and it's good. <laughs> you start off as Michelangelo, uh huh, and Michelangelo has the ability to use his uh, nunchucks to float. Okay. Okay. And then you have to rescue the other Ninja Turtles one at a time, and they all have different abilities that allow you to unlock new areas of the Metroidvania maze. So, like, Donatello can climb up walls. <laughs> it's very, very good. Uh, and it's part of the Cowabunga collection. Now, I did not buy the Cowabunga collection. I did not either. I don't buy ROM collections. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. don't buy ROM collections. Like, I love Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, and I obviously there's a lot of attention right now on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because Shredder's because Revenge of, was big. It was and a great also, success. Uh, Raphael got a DUI. They're trying to bury that with all of the other attention, but I mean, attention's attention. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no such thing as bad press, and the Ninja Turtles are being talked about a lot lately because Raphael got a DUI, <laughs> and he hit a duck. He hit a duck and went careening into a fountain at an elementary school. It was the school was not in session. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fine except for the duck. And that duck, Howard the duck. <laughs> and that's why this is a big Hollywood incident. 
These are the things that you know if you live here. <laughs> Anyways. It seems like there's a lot of attention on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now. It seems like well, that I hear is a one of them also has a drug problem. <laughs> it's not the same one with the DUI? No. That's a drinking problem. Society separates them even though they're the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then what you're saying is multiple of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have a substance abuse. So what you're saying is multiple of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have a substance abuse issue. Yeah. They were raised under a lot of pressure. That is true. They were only teenagers. They were only teenagers, and they had to fight Triceratops soldiers. Yeah. You know? That's a lot. That's a lot. Being a teenager is already really hard. They acted like they were having fun living in the sewers, but that's just because they didn't know any other environment. And when they became adults and they saw how other people lived, they were like, yeah. oh, no, I think we were mistreated. Yeah. No, they were raised by a rat in poverty. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I was raised by a rat in poverty, but <laughs> that's just being mean to my parents. <laughs> Uh, it's Leonardo. <laughs> you know, he's also getting a lot of attention because he too won't date anyone over 24. <laughs> Everyone named Leonardo won't date anybody it's over 24. Name, turns out. I didn't think that would be the case, but as soon as they turn 25, he's all done. Here's the thing. He runs around saying, I'm Leonardo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but like, my dude, you're 40. <laughs> you are misleading these people. I'm famous. I'm. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what I want. <laughs> nope. Uh, I'm famous and I'm a famous teenager. Right. You can't keep saying you're you a famous teenager. You can't say teenager. you're famous for being a teenager. Because here's the thing April O'Neill was 16. No, she was a reporter. She was a television reporter. Okay, but what version? Okay, that's in TMNT. Uh -huh. Right? The yeah, 2012 yeah. series. So in the 2012 oh, yeah, series. That's teen April O'Neil. That's teen April O'Neil. No, April O'Neil, the reporter, was definitely not 16. Now, why does this come up on the wiki fandom first? Because uh, people love that. What TMNT. about on the Turtlepedia? How about on the Turtlepedia? It's tough. It's tough to say. You have many different April O'Neils. Anyways. Here's the <laughs> trick. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the rise, in the, in the TMNT cartoon. She was 16, but she was a she was a very established uh, television reporter by the time she met the Ninja Turtles. If anything, can I be honest with you? Mm -hmm. They were teenagers and she was clearly in her 20s. Yeah. Hang out with people your own age. Either way, not excellent dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, no wonder they developed some issues. Yeah. Anyway, this is a show about video games. So. <laughs> The Cowabunga Collection is doing very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, people are really loving it. Uh, I actually, I watched some gameplay of it. I don't, I don't have any interest in buying it, but mm -hmm. I watched some gameplay of it. And it's one of those collections that's doing, that did a really good job, um, not just with like the games that are added on the collection, but also with like their scan line filters and all that stuff. It just, it's a really nice experience to play it. Yeah. Um, so... In Toy World Magazine, mm -hmm. which is where people talk about Ninja Turtles because it's they think of it as a toy licensing for kids. Sure. That's how they approach it. Um, there's this big event coming up called the London Brand Licensing Convention, which is like where all of these like companies that own IPs go and they're like, hey, do you want to make a toy of our stuff? Mm -hmm. Here's all the cool things that have been made of our stuff. Yeah. Um, Paramount and Nickelodeon just... 
two sentences. Somebody in licensing yeah. who doesn't know any better just said like, oh yeah, we're also planning a remaster of the Calabunga collection at the end of the year. Uh huh. What does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to completely redraw all that art? A remaster of the Calabunga collection? What does that mean? Right. And then number two, we're going to launch a brand new original AAA Ninja Turtles game in 2023. Now that's big news. Who's working on that? Who's doing it's it? It's almost 2023. Shouldn't we know something about it? Why haven't we heard anything about a big AAA Ninja Turtles game? Why Why do we have to find this out from, from a toy magazine? Uh, what? Hello? AAA is a pretty, that means, that yeah. means something. Right. That means you're making a big game. You got 486 days to release that game. And I haven't heard so a get single thing. Talking. All right. Man, who would you like to see make a Ninja Turtles game? For a long time, they were saying it was going to be uh, a triple A Ninja Turtles game. What? Do you, who would you want it to be? For a long time, they were talking about like it was going to when the Arkham guys were roll were like winding down. I mean, combat-wise, not a bad idea. Yeah. I know that a lot of people complain about the Arkham combat style. Uh, I'm a fan. I think <laughs> it's fun and silly. Uh, and I think that that would be a proper level of fun and silly when yeah. applied to Ninja Turtles. And also, like, as much as people are like, I'm tired of Arkham combat, Arkham combat is all combat. Every it combat, was revolutionary. Like, all of these melee third-person games stole their combat from Arkham to some extent. Right. Um, somebody, Alonzo, is saying Platinum. Uh, Platinum had a bad experience making that Ninja Turtles game for XBLA, which was very good, mm -hmm. but unfortunately came out at a time when we didn't understand. It was like right around the time they did that Avatar game. Yeah. And so that came out and people didn't understand $20 downloadable game, $30 yeah. downloadable. And so they were like, this game is over too quick and it's kind of repetitive. And it's like, my dude, it was a $20 game that you downloaded. Right. We're we, seeing a lot of love for Respawn. Yeah. Respawn would be great. I Respawn's... respawns Listen, Respawn's kind of busy with some stuff. I think between Apex and, and making the only Star Wars games that are working, right. they're a little busy. I mean, Apex has got to be a completely separate team, and Star Wars does. So, like, you could just make a little room. Make a little room. Make a little room for a Ninja Turtle staff, or two. Staff up a little bit. Make a little Ninja Turtle game. Listen, these guys need work. They need to sober up. They're, best, they're at their best when they're busy, particularly Leonardo. Yeah. If Le if Leonardo listen, if you can just keep him working, he's okay. It's right. when the work it's when the work dries up that it starts getting weird for him. Yeah, you start seeing him at the clubs and it's sad as people that live in LA. Yeah. It's it's tough. He only knows how to lead. And if he doesn't have a team to lead, he leads. Mm -hmm. Donatello can do machines anywhere. Right. You know? Yeah. Like you can do machines and you can tinker at home. Right. But he is leading 24-year-old women to his apartment instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh and you know we want this for them <laughs> it's, it's, it's 9 20 what else you want to talk about anthony i don't know we were a little late we're gonna go a little long yeah maybe maybe not, not very not very but we'll go a little <laughs> late <laughs> um well let's talk about this let's talk about uh the rings of power just a little bit yeah big big release uh i watched the rings of power yes anthony i watched it uh last night both of the episodes they released mm -hmm. for the rings of power this is so obnoxious pause here it we go. I'm, here we go uh it was pretty good it was pretty good uh-huh i like it yeah i don't 
I'm not in love with it, uh-huh. but I like it. Right. Um, it looks better than most, better than just about all Amazon shows. Of course. Or it VOD better. shows. It better. Yeah. But it looks, it looks like it was made the year after the last Lord of the Rings movie was made. Like it's very, like it still looks very good mm-hmm. for like 2010. Does that make sense? Like, you can still watch something that Weta or ILM made in 2010 or 2011 and be yeah. like, damn, that looks good. Absolutely. It just looks, it doesn't look like what I expect from, like, something made this year. And this, like, biggest budget of ever, ever. $465 billion for production of the first season. Wow. Or $465 million, sorry, a oh billion dollars. Yeah. A billion dollars, 465 mil for the first season. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of the CG stuff and the world stuff is very good. I have some problems with some of the makeup they they cheaped out on a little bit. Uh-huh. But I will also clarify, I have not watched it yet. Yeah, Sage Sage does, doesn't do a Lord of the Rings yet. Yet. Uh, we'll get there eventually. But I will say that some of their some of their <laughs> Dwarves are, and I'm not going to harp on this too much because it didn't bug me too, too much, Mm -hmm. but it was there. The dwarves look really bad. The dwarves look like really cheap and really bad. It tells me that there's not going to be a lot of dwarves in the show. Yeah. (laughs) But also, dwarves are supposed to be, they're based on Jewish people. Hi, we're Jewish people. I'm... The dwarves all have one nose. Is this a correct image, Anthony? That's him. That's okay. Durin. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this for us. Um, it's direct from Tolkien. They have origins in Jewish stereotypes. He said it. He meant it. They they are tiny and hairy and loud and insular and they have an innate sense for finding treasure. And they act and, and they're known for having big personalities and big emotion and big temper. Yeah. <laughs> and- I too have <laughs> a big personality and an innate ability to find treasure. Um so look, that's something that we that is now ingrained into fantasy lore. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. Yes, uh, storybook plot holes is saying, oh no, it's like the bankers. Yes, goblins are also Jewish stereotypes. Vampires. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of look. Fantasy hates us. Fantasy doesn't like. Listen, the world, not fans, for a very long time, right. still not entirely decided. Uh, <laughs> some very decided. Some very decided on the wrong way. But like, so when I see. They roll into they roll into Dwarf Town, population dwarves, mm-hmm. and I just see the same nose on every dwarf. Yeah. And this moles is such a lazy makeup choice. Moles everywhere, and all of their beards look fake, and they're all just drunk and yelling, and I'm just like, my guys. And then, you know, there are other problems with it too, of course. Of course, the uh the Harfoots, which are the precursors to the Hobbits, uh, are are migrant, sort of frightened, uh, 
uh, uh, dirty uh, travelers mm-hmm. with Irish accents. And it's kind of like, we could switch it up. You know what I mean? We could switch it up a little. They don't have to have Irish accents, you know? So there was like a little bit of that stuff where I was just like, I know that this is ingrained into fantasy now. And for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know. And a lot of people don't understand. And a lot of people don't even make that connection anymore because Mm -hmm. society is a different place. But I see it and I still know it. And so it's a little weird. I also want to acknowledge, though, the other side of this is uh, this is uh, by far not (laughs) I would say the most diverse cast we've ever seen for Lord of the Rings. Oh, for sure. But that is the only diverse cast we've ever seen for Lord of the Rings. I mean, look. And that's extremely significant. And I also want to acknowledge uh, it is getting review bombed because of the diversity of the cast. People on the internet are being fucking awful uh, specifically to black members of the cast. Uh, so I, I I see a lot of you in the chat because you're all excellent, yeah. very good, cool people that are like, man, that makes me want to watch even more. People being like racist and terrible no, no, no. about these wonderful performers but is like, we should watch they, this and support this because of that. Right, they are doing, you know what I mean? Like that's Durin, right? That's mm-hmm. that's Durin. Durin's, Durin's wife is played by a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they do put uh, people of different backgrounds mm-hmm. into all of these different types of people in Middle Earth. Because, hey, Game Be- of Thrones, it's not fucking hard. It's not real. It's not real. It's not fucking hard. You can say, listen, as House seriously, as, as, seriously as Tolkien you. took it, it's not real. And so if you want to make, uh, if you want to have a, a, a black dwarf queen, you can have a black woman play the dwarf queen. You can just do it. It's... <laughs> literally made up. It's literally Just made up. do it. Not only can you, you should. You should. Shut up. One of the main elves, uh, one of the main elf soldiers Sick as well. fucking tired of the internet. Uh, one of the main elf soldiers as well is is played by a black actor and he's he's absolutely wonderful. He's one of the highlights of the show uh, is the story of this elf and the woman that he falls in love with, uh, human woman. And like, so like, look, there's a lot of like fantasy is fraught. As people who love fantasy and high fantasy, we like we can just say fantasy's fraught. Yeah. It's fraught with this stuff and we just need to be aware of it. And I will say that as much as I'm talking about this now, like I said, it only weirded me out a little during the show. Mm-hmm. I kept moving. Uh and it's a pretty decent show. Uh I li- I think I like where it's going. It's retreading some things. Because I think it has to to feel familiar to people, but sure. it's also doing like a lot of fun stuff that that is, uh, it is staying true to the stories of Tolkien, which is important for a lot of people. I don't care as much as other people do, but it's apparently doing that. One of my favorite things, as somebody who played the uh, Tony uh, Tony Hawk's Orc Slayer, mm-hmm. you remember when Shadow Shadow of Mordor came out? Holy shit! That game was that game was fucking awesome. Shadow of War is fine. Shadow of Mordor slapped. It was like you're doing 180, like 180 fucking kickflips, no scope. no scope, kill 30 orcs, 100, 100 hit orc killing combo. It was dope as hell. Now, characters and things from that game, because mm-hmm. they're set in the same age, are in the thing. And I was like, I know that guy. That's very funny. I know that dude. <laughs> That's my dude. <laughs> um, anyway, the big story about Lord of the Rings is despite. All of this stuff that everybody's mm-hmm. talking about, is it good? Is it good enough? Is it not good enough? We've waited so long. Is it true enough? Is it not true enough? All of that shit did not matter 
because Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, drew in 25 million global viewers in its first day. Now, that's huge. That's massive. That's a massive, massive TV win. TV doesn't do that anymore. Uh, for comparison, House of the Dragon, HBO's biggest launch ever, mm -hmm. literally their biggest launch ever. <clears throat> I thought people were tired of, of, of Game of Thrones. I was wrong. It was the biggest launch that HBO's ever had. 9.9 mm -hmm. million. Good. Not good that they had their biggest launch ever. Honestly, fuck that. But good that it was lower. Yeah. Um, so this is the biggest thing. Now, we are going to wait and see what the drop-off is, right? Uh, it could be that, like, everybody watched the premiere, and they're like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then it drops off hugely. It could be that people stick around. I don't think it'll hit 25 mil ever again. Not, not in a day. No. But I think this is going to be one the that... urgency will fade. Yeah, and I think this is going to be one that people watch slowly over time. And if they're Lord of the Rings fans, they'll definitely rewatch. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be good, but... It's kind of interesting, like, we don't know what reviews are like yet in terms of uh, actual viewers. We know mm -hmm. what critics think about it. Right. But Amazon froze reviews for the first 72 hours mm -hmm. because of the, all this review bombing. They're like, they started doing this with a league of their own, mm -hmm. and this is now their policy. Right. When a show premieres, they gate the reviews for 72 hours to moderate them mm -hmm. and make sure it's not like they're not being review bombed. Yeah. You know? So I think it's good. I think everybody that I've watched is everybody that I've talked to that's watched it has said pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good, which I think is where you want to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you I I was really worried that like people would just be like, well, it's not like the movies or it'll never be the movies and then like it tanks. And it hasn't done that. People are like, this is pretty good. You know what else is pretty good? What is it, Anthony? The animated television series Arcane based on the video game League of Legends by Riot Games. Very true. Uh, and in fact, it was recognized as such in what is a bullshit like all other award shows, but important to the industry by the Emmys as the first gaming show or first show based on games to ever win an Emmy. Yeah. That's which a big is, deal. Which is huge. It's also the first non-broadcast show, non-broadcast show to win best animated series. That's very interesting. Uh, it was a very like nerd stacked category this year for Outstanding Animated Program, which is what they won. Uh, it was uh, Bob's Burgers, Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, Marvel's What If. Mm -hmm. um, and it definitely starts, you know, you see that skew to our generation for Outstanding Animated Program and you're like, oh, those are the things they market to us. Yeah, it's fun to see uh, so many animated series that are made for families, mm -hmm. but also, like, kids can watch these shows. Maybe not well, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Kids don't watch Rick and Morty. But uh, when I was a kid, I probably would have watched Rick and Morty. But I grew up on South Park. Yeah. I'm not proud of it. But, you know, something like uh, something like What If or Arcane, like, you can kids can sit and watch if they mm -hmm. want to. And, like, but they're skewing a little older. We're taking animation a little more seriously. And I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that a lot. Um, there is so much in the world of video game adaptations that's going to be releasing in the next five years still. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how long that phase will last or at what point it becomes it's not video game adaptations, but all things are multimedia. Um, hard to say. But right now we're in a massive, massive time for 
video game media. They're yeah. taking us seriously, and that's fucking cool. They're making things about the things that we love, the stories that we love playing in. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really lovely. There's a yeah. lot of games that I've sat down with and been like, man, I'd really rather just watch this. Oh, I've said it a hundred times. Like, I play a lot of, like, big big game of the year contenders and I'm like hey man if you just if you wanted to make a movie just make a movie mm -hmm. I'm here for you making a movie this game is not a game um I think like one of the things that's interesting about this is like arcane arcane needed this because remember arcane is the largest most expensive animated series of all time mm -hmm. it took an insanely long amount of time. It took a huge amount of money. Yeah. Uh, if this did not win, mm -hmm. it would have been a big problem for Netflix, and I think it would have been a big problem for Riot, who's really trying to get not out of the League of Legends business yeah. at all, but is trying to get out of the we make one big game business. Right. Like, Riot needed this win. And they fucking got it. So congrats. That's wild. Uh, that's very, very cool because the show was very good. Uh, and I'm glad that people enjoyed it. We have a lot of hype in the chat for people being excited for season two. Yeah. Uh, all over LA, it has been nothing but plastered with obviously for your consideration posters. But specifically, I have seen so many for Arcane. And the Arcane one is cool because it, looks like, it looks like Jinx has actually like vandalized the billboard asking you to vote for Arcane, and it's, like, actually kind of hard to read what it is. It's good. It's very good. Um, and it speaks to how successful Arcane was that they felt comfortable making a for-your-consideration campaign that's not clear what it's for unless you're aware of the show. Yeah, and it depends. There's a bunch of different ones all around L.A., but mm -hmm. they, they knew they had this one. Uh, Storybook Plot Holes is saying, Anthony, you can just say Uncharted. Actually... I enjoy the Uncharted games. I do not enjoy The Last of Us as a game. Yeah. I knew you were talking about it, The Last of Us when you we were talking about it. We both feel the same way about that. Yeah. For me, playing The Last of Us, and, and I tried to play The Last of Us for the first time during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and I played the first game, and I played The Last of Us 2, and it was just... It was too visceral of a feeling for me on the emotional parts of it that I felt like were really powerful and important, and the gameplay was not necessarily my style it was to just, keep me interested. It was like the most gut-wrenching stuff you've ever seen, and then it was like, will you slide box from here there? Yeah. And I was like, I absolutely will not slide box from here there. And I was like, I will, I guess. But like the, playing through some of those scenes also hurt my fucking feelings real bad, like it's supposed to. <laughs> it was but like, like it was like, easier for me to watch. This little girl's never had a father, and this guy doesn't want to be a father to a little girl ever again. Can you move ladder to the right place? <laughs> <laughs> what I just what I just uh, but what? I think the last also, of us in, also, we respect the last of us oh, because sure. it's incredibly important to video game history and we know so many like so many people worked on it it's a technical achievement all of that stuff it's just the gameplay was just a little a little flat for me you know I feel the same way like I was very about them making an Assassin's Creed movie because mm -hmm. I was like this is a fun story and fun characters I hate playing Assassin's Creed <laughs> I hate it hold down A and up Tape those buttons down, go make yourself a snack, come back, and you'll have collected 80 sea shanties and 42 gems mm -hmm. and a golden apple. 
and some shit, and he'll be like in the middle of a fight, he'll be like flipping around people, and he'll be like, damn, I can't believe I'm this good at video games. <laughs> <laughs> of course, then the Assassin's Creed movie came out, and I was like, ah. But that's the other reason I think Arcane is such a big win, is like, we need more things that care about the source material and are produced hand in hand with the people that make the source material yeah in order to make this stuff better i mean we've seen it took it took kevin feige and a couple other executives that really knew and cared about marvel mm-hmm. to launch marvel which like we all knew that marvel should marvel movies should have been great and we were just like, why has there never been a good Marvel movie, right? Yeah. And so you need those people that understand it. That's why right. I'm very excited about The Last of Us show on HBO is because you've got you've got Druckmann there. Yeah, I think that's going to be really good. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. And I think that's all the show we have time for. Yeah, that's all the show we have time That's all for. the show we have time for today. Listen, you'd Did think we, we had more late? time for another no. show, but we, no, we didn't. <laughs> We've never once started late. I don't know what you're talking Stop. about. Hey, listen. Always on time. At least, like, listen, the audio was fine today. We can give you, listen, we can give you everything one at a time. And eventually <laughs> it'll be good. Eventually time will be one of those things. Yes. Yes. Look, we're just putting shit back together uh, from the PC crash. So thank you for bearing with us, truly. Thank you for your patience. We appreciate you so very much. Um, Hey, Anthony. Hey, Sage. Other than supporting us on Patreon and seeing that big old backlog of all the videos that we've made, including one on Friday, where else can they find you on the internet when you're not here? Oh, my stars and garters, Sage. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at A Carboni, except for here on Twitch, where I'm at Anthony Carboni. Twitch, you cowards, it's mine. Give it back to me. Um, you can also find me on my science comedy podcast with Jeff Kanata called We Have Concerns. It's won awards, which they tried to take away from us, but they couldn't because it would have made them look bad. Got them. And so we always have that award. Uh, and that's at wehaveconcerns.com. And, uh, hmm, Fridays that's it. for failed save. Fridays for failed save. Very true. Uh, this week we're doing something very fun on failed save. It is an oops all DMs episode, which you all unlocked through a goal, uh, which means each person is going to take their turn uh, DMing at the table for a little bit and telling a piece of their own story. It's going to be very, very fun. So I hope you will join us. We release that here on Twitch. We release it on YouTube and we release it as a podcast for your listening or viewing Shit. pleasure. Shit. Rickard needs a story. You got four days. You can find me everywhere on the internet at Not Sage. I stream on my channel Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. And you can find me here on this channel for so many things. And hey, buy some um, Pixel Circus <laughs> merchandise. We do have so. some pretty good stuff. Look at this mug. It holds liquids. That's all you need a mug to do. We've got patches. We've got stickers. Buy the things. Buy the things. Join us next time. We'll see you soon, friends. Goodbye. Bye.